All right, well, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your blessing upon this congregation this morning. That, Lord, your word says this, and uh, you say this over and over in the word. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And we pray, Lord, that we'd have uh, spiritual ears open this morning to hear your message that you have for this congregation for this time. Um, that you would receive glory. I pray you'd breathe life upon this. That it would find application in our lives. That it would be a practical word that would help us and strengthen us and encourage us and uh, in this time. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're living in an in a interesting time in history. Um, I heard something recently, I had to think about it. I go, that's true. This is the only time in history, aside from the flood of Noah, that mankind has been affected worldwide by something. You think about that statement. This is the only time in history that the whole world is being affected at the same time but something, aside from the flood of Noah. And that's a pretty powerful thing to consider. And, you know, God has given us great and precious promises that we're, our lives here transcend whatever is coming. And God has given us the power and the strength to persevere and to overcome. And all the promises in the book of Revelation to the churches are promised to the overcomers. Those who have the, it's, it's uh, basically the word Nike, a Nikeo, a super victory. And if we're in Christ, we already possess that. We have that victory. And yet, there's things that we're going to go through in this time. There's challenges and there's trials. And the thing, the reason why we're going through that is because God is building character in each one of us. He's building us and he's strengthening us. And I've said this before, he's building a people, he's building a church for eternity. So some of the things that we go through seem to be like, man, this is too much. Or why, you know, I'm a child of God. Why am I going through this? Because God loves us and he's preparing us for eternity and he's forming character within us. Um, I was thinking about this story. Uh, my wife's going to get mad at this one, but <laughs> but we were we were uh, in between jobs. You know, when we were, you know, God called us into ministry, and and it's we're living by faith. And then somebody called us and says, "Hey, I got this job out in um, Kapakul. Where, where was that? Uh, Kahana, Kahana. It was a brand new house, and there was all this um, tile work and this uh, flagstone uh, pavement that they did. And it was getting towards the end of the construction of this place. And the person who hired us for the job said, Oh, yeah, they need somebody to go over there, and for $10 an hour, you can just unpack the furniture that they got for the house and place it within the house and do decorating and all this. And I'm like, Yeah, this is cool. We could do that. Said, yeah, that would be kind of fun to do something like that. And so we got to this job and it's this beautiful pole house and you know it's it's still under construction and they go well, we're not really ready to uh, to place the furniture yet but if you want here's a bucket of water and some rags and we need you to wash the the, the flagstone and the tile down with just water no soap just water because we got to put a sealer on it so we don't have any soap in there and so my wife and I are, are scrubbing these floors with these rags and squeezing you know rinsing it on them and then changing the water and it was just the most menial of jobs that you could come up with and we're down on our knees scrubbing this thing and I'm thinking yeah put up furniture for ten dollars an hour and I look over to my wife and I said I know why we're here the Lord is teaching you humility (laughs) 
<laughs> Naturally, I was joking. I was, it was one of those lines that survived to this day. But it was funny. You know, I mean, you go, we go through things in life that are to train us. They're to teach us certain, certain things. And some of them are not pleasant. You know, some of these things are, are hard. But the reason why we go through it is because God knows that, number one, we can take it. Number two, he's, he's forming us. It says in Ephesians that he's creating us. That we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But he's also making us into his poem, it says. He's making us into something special that he can, like a jewel. He's, he's, he's sharpening it off and he's buffing this off. And he's, he's making a certain cut so the light of his glory would shine more prevalent within each one of us. And sometimes that process is not too pleasant. But if we're mature in the faith that we realize when we go through stuff that this is not random. And it's not for no reason but it has a purpose and God always has a purpose for the things that we go through and part of it is it's for us to be able to comfort people who are going through something in a similar manner that we've been through it this is what I learned through this and there's there's um, a testimony on the other side even though it's very dark in the valley and I want to read this scripture it's in 2nd Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 it says blessed 2nd uh, Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 it says blessed be the God of our Father the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us with all our in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God for uh, for the sufferings of Christ abound in us so that our consolation also abounds through Christ now if we are afflicted it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which you also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake in the consolation. So that means that we're going through stuff, but it's not random. It's, there's a purpose for why we go through stuff. And part of that is for us to say that God was faithful through that trial, even though there's a time where our, our trial eclipses the sunlight of Christ in our life. And we're like, man, it's really dark right now. But the reality of it is God will carry us through those times and will come out the other side stronger than we went into it. There will be character that will be developed through that valley that you would not have in any other way unless you went through that experience. That's just a reality. That's what the Word of God says that over and over and over. That this is how God forms His kids because He's building us for eternity. He has good plans for us. He has plans to bless and prosper us. And the things that he's doing, he's building for eternity. You know, and I know I've said that many times before, but I think it's an important lesson for us to be aware of right now, especially as living in a time as unique as we're living right now, where there's a lot of people that are losing hope in this world, in this life. And they're, they're, they're like checking out. And a lot of the things that are happening right now is people are turning to escape mechanisms. A lot of people are turning to uh, drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it is. It's like a release valve. I can't handle the pressure. And we veer off into these areas. And these are snares. 
that the devil, he doesn't really want to bring any relief. All he wants to do is turn you into a prisoner. And it's not a way to go. It's not a way to go. It's the way to go is to turn to the word of God. Turn to the hope of the gospel. Turn to the fact that God has this under control. He has a plan. And it's a good plan for those who are firm in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. That, that is why we come here in the morning. This is why we come. That's why we're part of the body of Christ. Because the message that we carry within, a, it says it's like a treasure within an earthen vessel vessel. This gospel message is a is a uh, an astounding treasure hidden within an earthen vessel within this body of clay. We carry eternal life right now. We have that flame of eternal life within us. We have hope beyond death even. We have a hope that is based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Untouchable reserved for us in heaven. Nobody can shake that. Nobody can touch that. And everything that we go through, it's either for our character development or it's for us to bring consolation to somebody else who is going through something similar. That we can say, I've been through that. Just like Jolita this morning. That didn't that testimony bless you? That when we put the word of God into action, we say, this is what the doctor says, but I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to speak God's word over my situation and see the result of it and then bring that testimony to the congregation to lift our spirits to say if he did it for Jolita I know he'll do it for me and that's where faith is developed faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God we hear a testimony in practical application this actually happened these things happen and they are happening in our midst amen it says this if we go on in the same book chapter 4 It says in uh, chapter 4, let me read from verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The truth of it is, the gospel's message is like a flashlight in a very dark world. It shows us the way, it illuminates the situation, it gives us direction. And that's what he's saying. It goes on in verse 5, it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ the Lord, and ourselves as bondservants of Jesus, for Jesus' sake. For it is God who come, commanded light to shine out of the darkness, and shone in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This light emanates, this truth emanates, especially in a dark time. You know, if, like I said, if we turn on, you know, these... Uh, uh, fluorescent lights in here and if we turned them off there wouldn't be much of a difference because there's a lot of ambient light from outside but if we came here at night and somebody had a big lighter and they flicked that thing on you would illuminate this building with the light from a lighter or a candle so in a dark time the light becomes more evident in a dark time, if we are the lights of the Lord, if we are carrying the character and the, the truth of his gospel, it is more evident in the world that is given over to darkness right now. As this world is being eclipsed by a lot of lies and a lot of deception, just like Jesus said it would be, we need to be tethered to the truth of the gospel. We need to have this light shining brightly that our lamps would be trimmed, that we're producing a good light that would be useful for those who see us. That when they look at us and they say, if that's what a Christian is, I want to be that. Because I see character. I see a nature of Christ in that person. That we're not a smoking lamp. 
that it's like, oh, if that's a Christian, I don't know if I'm interested in that program. We need to display properly his character attributes in our lives. It goes on in verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not in us. It says that, you know, God's word says this, that his grace is sufficient for us. His strength is perfected in our weakness. It's when we come to the end of ourselves and we finally say, you know what, God, I can't do this, that he comes in and he shines the most brightly. That we cannot take glory. We just says, Lord, that's all you. And he receives glory in heaven. You know, we had a situation where we're living back up on the property up in Avalau, and uh, it's been a challenge. It seems like it's been a real warfare for us to be there recently. And we know we have the victory. But we've had water problems. You know, we, I had to take a sponge bath last Sunday to come to church. Didn't have any water flowing on the property. This week, we didn't have electricity from all that wind. and knocked out the trees that must hit, hit the power lines. We didn't have electricity. So I didn't even have coffee this morning. You know? <laughs> I'm sitting in the dark in this house. And I'm like, Lord, help me here. Yeah. But God gets the victory. But last week I got home and we had no water. And I talked to Lawrence. I, I drew a schematic. I said, this is the thing. This is what I believe it is. And I drew a picture of the water system up there. And, he, and you know, Lawrence says, yeah, I think that sounds like the problem. I go back up. I said, hey, Mike, do you got water in your, the owner of the property, you got water in your, in your house? Yeah, I got water in my house. Blew my theory out the window. Okay, if he got water, this schematic that I drew doesn't make any sense. So I'm just like, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I need, this is beyond my abilities already. I don't, I've never encountered this kind of problem. I don't know what it is. Lord, Lord, help us. So Monday comes around. We're sitting at home. Plumber didn't come. He was supposed to come on Monday. He didn't come till very late. Uh, what was it? Tuesday he came? Or, uh, tu Tuesday morning. He came Tuesday. We didn't do nothing. Nothing to the system. All of a sudden I hear water coming into the faucets. Like that spraying. And then the whole thing worked. Didn't do anything. And God healed our water system over there. But I was... I was hard-pressed, you know, and, and here the owner of the property is there, and part of my responsibility is to oversee the water system, and this got me stumped the first time I ever had to call a plumber on the property, but the plumber came on, and the, the problem resolved itself before he did anything, so hallelujah, thank you, Lord. We won the battle by surrender. It just says, Lord, you need to do this, because I don't know what to do, and he did. Going back to Second Corinthians verse 7, But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Christ may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for, the, for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. Grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. 
So everything they're going through, when we're being afflicted, if we lay hold of Christ and lay hold of his word, it says, I'm latched on to you because this is my light. You are my hope. You're my life. You're my direction. You're everything. I lay hold. And when it gets rough, we try to cling harder to the Lord and don't shake off. Just hang on tight because he's got a plan to bring us through it. And there is a testimony being worked out. And this is the part that I wanted to get to. I wanted to read it in context. Excuse me, my nose running. Uh, verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do, not, we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, what is but for a moment, is working for us a far more excellent and eternal weight of glory. For we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's a good word to meditate on, to think about, that we're just passing through. We're sojourners. We're, we're, we're journeying through this. We're, we're a spiritual being having a fleshly experience. A lot of the perspective in the world is everything is here. Everything that I can lay hands on, everything that I can touch is the real. And the spiritual is ethereal and it's out there. And it, maybe it exists, but I don't know. But this word says the things that are not seen are the eternal things. The things that we can touch are temporary. Do you know in, in physics, like in a, in a molecule or whatever... That there's uh, electrons, there's a nucleus and an electron spinning around it. There's way more empty space in that than there is any material. And who's to say that there's another, uh, there's another dimension, according to this, that there's a different spin, but those things are more eternal than the things that we see. I've heard stories where people, they've transcended this reality, and they could actually pass a solid through another solid. I don't know how true that is, but I've heard stuff like that. And it's, if you think about it, it's possible. Because there's more empty space than there is solid in everything that we see. But the Bible says, the things that are seen are made up of things that are not seen. That's faith right there. The things that are seen, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For the things that are, that are, are made are made up of things that are not seen. So that's right in line with this. The things that we don't see are the eternal things. So the point of this being, the experiences we have through the Word of God, through faith in the Word of God, the things that God is telling us, and the experiences that we have, as hard as they are, are working for us an eternal weight of glory. If we're going through hardship, if we're going through hard times, we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord because he's not wasting these experiences. These experiences are very meaningful to God and they're forming character in us. And not only that, they're helping us to be a light to somebody else who's going through the same thing. Have you ever shared your testimony with somebody who was going through something that was difficult and says, you know what, I went through something similar to that. I went through something like that. We should be sensitive in people's circumstances. You know, I remember some when I crushed my hand and it was in the whole world was in turmoil, and somebody trying to be kind, I guess, said oh, it could be worse. It could be worse. And, I, and I, there was a string of events, man. Boom, 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 down the line. And I look at them, I'm like thinking, you have no idea. I said the only way I could think this could be worse is this is happening to you and not me. You ever felt that way? 
<laughs> you know, people just try. I got to say something. It could be worse. But the reality of it is, God has given us the strength to endure those things. You know, I've said this before. That it says he's never given us more than we can handle. But we all know this, that God expects us to handle a lot more than what we think that we can handle. But he's stretching our character. He's stretching us in our abilities to stay in faith and to walk forward with him. And we need this right now. We need to be strengthened right now. That these things that are coming our way are going to be some hard things. I don't know if you guys have been watching, but they're talking about all this supply chain. And it, it's all manufactured. All this, there's no reason for this. But it's to bring the world under, under a one world rule. And it's, it's, it's kind of like the communist manifesto right off the top. One of the ways that they pull that off every time is we tamper with the food supply. We get the people in this place and then we can, we can just lead them around. But our God says that he's our supplier. Our God says that he has a plan for us. Our God says that I, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their offspring begging for bread. And God's word is true that we should be responsible with what we can do in light of what we see coming. But we shouldn't lose hope and we shouldn't operate in fear. We should operate in faith and we should get the word of God implanted within our heart. That is the defense of what's coming. That is the defense of what is coming. We, we should be aware. The Bible says this, and this is when I, it says for us to be watchful. That we should, you, you hear about this nowadays, everybody's talking about this word woke. You know, that person is woke. And it's like, what are you woke to? Well, they're woke that, that, that uh, what, what is that? Uh, woke to uh, critical race theory. That all the problems of the world are due to white people. I said, what the heck is, what is this? Nonsense. Oh, they're woke that uh, men can have babies. They're, they're woke that there's several different variations of gender. That's woke. That ain't woke. That, that's as dumb as it gets right there. Right? <laughs> It says in the Bible, it says in Romans, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Anybody believes that? It's, it's a, it, it crunches your thinking. What are you talking about? Men can have babies. They're birthing people now. What, what is this mess we're dealing with? Stick to the scriptures. Stick to the truth of God. Right? That ain't woke. Woke is to know who Jesus Christ is. Woke is to know when you look out in the, in the world and you have a biblical worldview of what's coming our way. That is a real woke. That's being awake. Yeah, that's whack. That ain't woke. <laughs> I want to read this. Go to First Peter 5.8. I mean, it's crazy the delusion that the society wants to put on people right now and we don't want to participate in that nonsense that we have to stay firm to the truth of what God says and not bow our knee to this mess um, 1 Peter 5 let me read from verse 5 uh, it says, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
We don't want God resisting us. So we need to walk in humility, you know, to try to be humble and be teachable and don't act like we know everything, but, you know, be submissive that way because that attracts God's presence. Then it goes on, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt, he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood, which is in the world. Anybody who's a Christian is subject to these things. We are like salmon that are going upstream, that we have a destiny, that we're appointed to something which is at a, a date with destiny, a date with eternity. We're going, we're swimming up. And the world is swimming downstream with the current. It's like easy to swim downstream. We're just going, no problem. And they look at you like, what's your problem? How come you're going against the current? Because I'm really awake. I really understand what's going on. God opened my eyes to the reality of the situation. And there is resistance to walk with the Lord. But it's a good resistance. It's like a weightlifting resistance. It's making us stronger. It says for us to be sober, to be vigilant. Vigilant means to be watchful, to be aware of what's going on, to be sober of sound mind. The word is, the verb sober is nepho, signifies to be free from the influence of intoxicants. In the New Testament, metaphorically, it does not in itself imply watchfulness, but is used in association with it. So the, those two words, to be sober and watchful, they're always kind of paired together. And like I said, what's happening in the world right now, the temptation is, the pressure is too high. And there's a temptation to say, I'm just going to engage in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out over here and I'm going to get some reprieve from this. I don't want to know anymore. And that's not the, 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 the thing the Bible is telling us to be sober, to be sober-minded. That means to conduct ourselves in the right way, to look at things right and have a sober uh, assessment of it through the lens of the gospel. And this will allow us to have the strength to carry on because we're seated properly. It says to be watchful. In the, in the gospel of uh, Titus or the book of Titus, uh, 2.11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I believe that we are the generation. I really believe that, you know, I listen to other people who have a pulse of the prophetic word in the Bible, and a lot of them are saying, man, we're, we're right there. We're, we're, we're seeing the formation of a global government right now. And they're not ashamed of it. They're just coming straight out. This is the new world order that's coming in. If you know the book of Daniel, if you know the book of Revelation, these are the things that are on course. And these things might cause, you know, to lose hope or just say, man, it's too much. It's too much. But when we see these things happening... The Bible says, lift up your head, renew your hope because your redemption drawn nigh. It's not reason for us to get down. It's reason for us to say the Lord is coming back soon. You know, my wife, when we go through hard stuff, she says, hallelujah, we're one day closer to heaven. 
And that's true. We only have a certain amount of days prescribed for our life, and nobody knows what that length is. So these words that we're reading here, even though they were written 2,000 years ago, they were relevant to the people that were reading them there because Jesus came in their lifetime. Whether it be through the rapture of the church or whether it be when the Lord calls us up and says, okay, your life is over. This is the span that I gave you and you come on up here. This is applicable to this. But in light of a world that's gone crazy, in light of a world that says men can have babies, in light of the world that is preaching within the church this critical race theory, this nonsense that we stick with what the Word of God says, keep our eyes focused on Christ, keep our eyes fixed on the hope of the gospel, which is the glorious return of Christ, and that we would be amongst that number. That says that we would be watchful, that we would be patient in waiting, that we would be perseverant, that we would be those people that God is coming back for. He's coming back for a bride without spot, without wrinkle, a church of purity. That he's given us these abilities through the grace that we would be those people. Amen. In closing, I want to read this scripture. First Thessalonians 5.4. It says, Brethren, you are not in darkness so that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober or self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of the hope of uh, faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. These should be the things that occupy our hearts and minds right now, especially when it's hard, especially when it looks bleak, especially when the world looks like it's falling apart, that if we occupy our minds with these things, it gives us the grace, it gives us the power, it strengthens us in our time of need. And if we see somebody losing that hope, that we can encourage them with these words from the Bible. Amen. I lied. I got one more scripture I want to read. <laughs> Romans chapter 13. Let me get there. You know, last week we celebrated our 40th anniversary hallelujah. being married. Hallelujah. We were actually able, able to find a restaurant that would take a second-class citizen and have dinner. <laughs> we, we had, <laughs> cool a bistro, but bring a jacket because you have to sit outside. But it was nice. It was a nice dinner we had. But we are by no means second-class citizens. Amen. We are the children of God. We are the beloved in Christ. The world does not yet see us and know us for who we are, but at one point it will. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That those are the things that are eternal. This world is passing away. It's like a shadow. It's just clicking through like a sundial. It's almost towards the end of sunset right now. In Romans Chapter, eight verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Oh, knowing anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. 
that if we can aim at that, you know, that's the high point of marriage. If the husband and wife can love one another and respect it, it goes well, it, it flows well. And here he's saying amongst us as believers, and even in the world, it says, owe no one nothing but to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He says, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not mur murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, they're all summed up in this one saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. You don't wonder, what should I do? What should I do? Seek love, you know, love for God, number one, love for our neighbors, love for our fellow believers. That should be our highest aim. That's what um, uh, Christ said. You know, if, if you don't love in, in the book of Revelation to the church of Ephesians, it says, if you guys don't return to your first love, I'm going to come and I'm going to grab that candlestick from you and, and it's going to be a bad thing. And in reality, you know the history, or I looked it up in studying, that the church in Ephesus did not heed the words of the Lord and that thing was leveled and now where that church is, it's just totally a Muslim, taken over by Muslims over there in Ephesus. He fulfilled his the Lord means what he says. And in closing this portion of scripture, 11 through 14, it says, And do this, knowing that the time that now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, nor in lewdness or lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. That's a powerful word. It says the, it's like, uh, they, they say, it's always darkest right before the dawn. You ever heard that saying? I know it's always the coldest right before the dawn, where we live anyway. Um, I get up early on Sunday morning, and I have my old office that faces towards the east. And so I can see the morning star rising. Uh, early in the morning, all of a sudden this planet is just coming up off of the horizon. And that's what the Lord says in the book of Revelation, that the day star rises. The day star is, when you see the day star rising, you know that the dawn is shortly coming. And you see that star rising, and all of a sudden, this cool air comes off of Haleakala, it comes down, and you can feel this, this, this real cold air rush down the mountain. And you go, man, the sun must be ready to rise right there. You ever felt that? It's weird. I don't know what it is. Is, the, is it the rays of the sun that is pushing this cold air downhill, but you feel it come down? It's just like now. They said it's always the darkness right before dawn. The Lord is coming back. He's going to establish his kingdom. It looks pretty dark right now, but his glorious arising is right there. Right there that we keep our eyes on that day star that is rising because we see that. We know that the dawn is coming. And a new day. A whole new kingdom is coming in the name of Jesus. Let's pray.